the Inch Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number one. So we went to that festival in Madrid. It was freaking awesome. Um, I met Mafalda and all, Afro-Latin Connection, Pichu, uh, Lucia, um, a lot of other Kizoma instructors. Albir was there. And Albir was definitely the guy that I resonated with the most. Um, but since I had taken on this teaching thing, I wanted to kind of learn as much as I could in Europe and then bring it back to the States, you know? Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Charles Ogar. And this week's special guest is me. And this also ties into why this podcast is numbered as Podcast 001. So the last podcast last week was featuring Miss Rita Maldonado. That was podcast number 33. But for those of you who've been following the podcast religiously, if you take a look at the very beginning of the podcast, the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, you'll see there is no podcast number 001. And I did that intentionally because I know that one week that I would share my story of how I got started into dance and what dance means to me and how it's changed my life. And it just so happens the way that things worked out with me moving and getting into my new place and looking on to 2017. I also recently turned 32 on December 11th. Um, this week was seemed to be like the week that it was going to be to kind of reflect and share my story of how I got started into dance. So this is podcast 001, the story of how Charles got into dance, into Kizomba, etc., etc. Um, I've had a lot of awesome guests on the podcast so far, and every week there's been a special guest. But for the last two podcasts of 2016, I'm going to do something a little bit different. It's just going to be me and you. Uh, in this week's podcast, I'll be sharing my story of how I got started into dance. And in the next podcast, we'll do a 2016 gratitude podcast, uh, looking at all the great moments of 2016 
with the podcast, with my dance career, and big plans for 2017. So here we go. Let's go ahead and delve into my story. I know for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, you've heard bits and pieces of my story here and there as I share my story along with my other guests, but it was never the focal point. So now with this podcast, I get to kind of shine the light on me myself with no special guests. So here we go. I guess I should start off that I was born in 1984 in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, My dad is Nigerian. My mom is American. She was born here in the U.S. in Houston, Texas. And even though I was born in Lubbock, Texas, I actually started school around New Brunswick, New Jersey, actually there. And that was a really cool experience. I don't remember much about New Jersey other than making snow angels and catching the bus to school and a couple of memories of me playing in the playground at recess at lunch during those early days. But for fourth grade, we were back in Texas, but we were in Austin actually, which is actually where I'm living now, but we'll get more into that later. And my first introduction into dance was actually with a dance program called Believe in Me. So when we moved back to Austin, we were definitely in a more I guess the east side of Austin, which isn't the the really nice side of town. So I believe the Believe in Me project, looking back on it now, was a dance project for low income schools or at risk kids to kind of give them opportunity to learn dance. And I remember putting on a show at the end of the year and I have to like there was a lot of people in the audience, so I can only assume that a percentage of the proceeds that were from that show went back to the school to kind of help them out and get things funded and all that kind of stuff. Uh, at least that's that's my take on it now. I'm not exactly sure. Um, today, the program isn't continued anymore. I tried looking for it on, on the internet to see if there's anything going on nowadays, but it looks like that program closed a few years ago. So, believe in me. Believe in me was my first dance experience. Um, I can't really categorize it under any particular dance genre. Um, I remember during the tryouts when I was there and they were kind of looking at the kids and things like that. And I really wanted to get chosen because like I was in fourth or fifth grade. It's like, ooh, dance. I want to be a part of it. Everybody wants to get picked. And so I remember doing a choreography that just involved marching. And I remember dancing and seeing the other students or the other kids that have been chosen already. And I just remember bringing up my knees as high as I could for as long as I could. And I got tapped on the shoulder to go and join the kids as one of the members of the Believe in Me group. And so that's how it all got started. Um, There will be dance practices after school. I think like that was pretty cool. I think it was college kids looking back on it now that came to teach us the, the choreo. But the choreo just include like, you know, hands in the air, marching, different formations, kind of like your general, I guess, almost like a glee kind of not singing, but like dancing kind of stuff. It wasn't really any particular music to it. Um, But I remember really, really enjoying all the classes 
And I enjoyed it so much and I had so much energy as a kid, I actually got chosen to become a part of the more advanced group, which was the SWAT team. So you had like, there were different schools involved too with the Believe in Me program. So you had different schools come out uh, that learned the choreography that all came to put on the show at the end of the year. And then like the SWAT team, that was like the, the varsity team, if you will, of the dance. But looking back at it now, I was not able to join the SWAT team because the practices were on Saturday and my parents could not take me to the practices on Saturday. Um, a little known fact, or maybe not a little known fact, I'm the oldest of eight. And so I was basically the on-call babysitter a lot growing up. And due to my parents' work schedule, we couldn't make to the SWAT team. So I kind of rode the Believe in Me train until I went into middle school and there was no, I didn't pursue dance in middle school and I'm not, I don't remember exactly why, but while I was in the middle school, I did start band and band I started to play some musical instruments. Um, the musical instruments that I played was the alto saxophone, a little bit of piano and also the flute I remember transitioning to the flute because I got tired of carrying the alto saxophone to and from school every single day. And then I also vaguely remember something about the reed of the alto saxophone and the way that it has to sit between your teeth and your lip. Something like that bothered me over time and I didn't like that. And the flute was a lot lighter and a lot less lip intensive, if you will. So... I remember being really good at the music thing as well. Um, I was one of the few students to like actually practiced and like wanted to get better and things like that. So um, I was setting the example there back then. And from what I remember, I remember the teacher called me out and said, had me play a particular song for the rest of the students. It's like, hey, this guy is practicing. You should practice, you know? So yeah, that was middle school. And in middle school, I also started to take Spanish classes. Um, if you guys don't know, I am pretty fluent in Spanish. I've been speaking Spanish for about 10 years now. Para ellos que están escuchando, les voy a hablar un poquito en español para que me oigan un poquito. Ya tengo como 10 años hablando español, como les dije en inglés hace rato. Y... No sé, me encanta hablar en español, me encanta la emoción, me encanta cómo las palabras suenan. Um, tenía una novia de Monterrey por varios años y ella me ayudó mucho a pulir mi español conviviendo con ella. Viendo telenovelas, Sábado Gigante, El Gol de la Flaca, uh, Sábado Gigante, like, todos esos shows en, en la televisión y luego con cumpleaños, años nuevos, barbacoas, diferentes cosas así, quinceañeras, todo eso. Aprendí más y más y más y más y pues por eso hablo mucho español, pero no está en mi sangre. All right, so back in English, I just sent out a little bit of message in, in Spanish for the people that are listening. Um, so I took Spanish. For in middle school, I also took Spanish all four years in high school as well. Um, in high school, I did not play band. I did not dance as well, but I remember definitely joining the speech and debate team. And 
there's this one memory that actually came to mind when I was thinking about putting this podcast together. In my ninth grade Spanish class, I remember having like a Cinco de Mayo celebration and they were playing Elvis Crespo Suavemente. And there was this good looking black guy with pearly white teeth that could dance. And like even the Spanish teacher was like, he was like the center of attention. Like all the Spanish girls like wanted to dance with him. The Spanish teacher danced with him. And I was like, man, I got to be like that guy. Um, when I was growing up, I was definitely the the nerdy kid that made good grades and stuff like that. I wasn't really good at sports, though. I really, really enjoyed playing basketball. Um, but yeah, I was definitely awkward in my own skin growing up through elementary, through middle school, uh, through high school. I didn't start getting comfortable into my skin until I started dancing. So fast forward to my first first year in community college in Houston, I actually met this girl named Erica and Erica was Puerto Rican and she loved salsa. And I think this was close to around the time that Celia Cruz had passed away and she was like sad about her death. And so she was showing me salsa and what she grew up with. And she wasn't like a super salsa dancer or anything like that, but she loved the music. She loved Celia Cruz and she actually burned me a Celia Cruz CD that I used to listen to a lot. And that is exactly the moment that my dance passion got ignited again. And I quickly found myself practicing the salsa moves in the mirror. Uh, Initially, it was to impress Erica, but over time, like my dance passion kind of overcame trying to impress her and I just wanted to keep dancing it. And I quickly found myself in a lot of salsa classes and dancing socially at least four times a week. So I became one of those crazy salsa guys that on a weekend were going out dancing every single week. Don't know why you just want to go out and and have a good time. Um, Looking back on it now, uh, dance definitely gave me self-confidence like I started to get a lot of compliments about my dancing. People were smiling. It gave me a social avenue. Um, I could meet women. And dance was like the perfect icebreaker for that. So that was definitely one of my initial, I guess, draws to it was to kind of get to know more women, get to have more friends and things like that. Um, Even to this day, the majority of the friends that I have are from the dancing. I don't even know how many friends I have that are outside of the dancing. And I've been, this was 12 years ago and I'm still kind of following that social pattern. So it's kind of interesting, but I don't have any problem with it now because dance is kind of like my full-time thing now. So, so I get more and more into dance, into salsa. Of course, the bachata came and a little bit of cha-cha-cha here and there. And I'd have been dancing just socially, locally for a couple of years. And there was this one opportunity to go out and dance in Dallas at this festival. And this was in 2012. Actually, the, my first dance festival ever was four years ago, the Dallas Bachata Festival that's put on by Jorge Elizondo. Um, I had him on as a special guest. I'll put that podcast in the show notes. But yeah, that was my first pot, that was my first dance festival. I fell in love with dance even more because I got to meet people from all over the place, from all over the country. I got to meet these instructors that came out to teach and kind of look up to them. 
And this was also the first year that I saw Kizomba, but what I saw at that particular time was like really badly executed Tarashinya. I remember going down to the Kizomba room just out of curiosity. And I think there were like maybe two, two couples there that were doing some really just raunchy Tarashinya that wasn't really properly led Tarashinya. And I'm like, those guys are gonna have a really good night tonight. And I went back to the bachata room. And that kind of started my whole addiction of traveling and dancing to festivals and things like that. Low did I know that Kizomba was the dance that was gonna be changing my life forever. So after the Dallas Bachata Festival, I obviously started going to other festivals and things like that. Um, I danced salsa for at least five or six years just socially and I never got the, the inkling to teach it. And they were also very good and talented and experienced salsa and bachata instructors already in, in Houston. So there was no void to fill or anything like that. So at this social, at the Melody Club, for those of the people listening in Houston, you guys remember the Melody Club and I remember in this social, in the back room, Troy was there, Georgette was there, and Eric was there. And Eric, Troy put on a Kizoma song, and he, I saw Eric dancing with Georgette, and everybody was kind of watching because it was like this new dance. And I really liked the way, Eric's a really awesome dancer, Bachatero, Salcedo, really awesome guy. I think he's living out of DC now, but mad respects for that guy if you're listening. I always give you the shout out the first guy that kind of got me intrigued into to learning to dance Kizomba. And so I saw him dancing with Georgette. And of course, I did what every Salcedo does. I started to count his steps to the music, to the beat. And I couldn't get it. Like, I was like, man, he keeps switching up the steps. Like, what's going on? Like, how is she following if she's not following the, the A count, you know? And I kept counting one and a two and a three and four to kind of get it. And like, nope, there's a slow, there's a little syncopation. It's like, I was just utterly confused. And after I saw that, I was like, man, I have to learn this dance because it'll just be cool to have another dance to learn, you know? And so Jorge who I mentioned before, who's my first festival that I went to, he actually put on a festival. It was a Bachata Kizoma festival. This was June of, then the Dallas Bachata festival was back in 2011. All right, so he put on a Bachata and Kizoma festival in June of 2012. And if that was in 2012, then the Dallas Bachata festival must have been the October before, the year before 2011. Yes, definitely. So at the Bachata Kizoma Festival, I actually saw they're going to be teaching Kizoma there. So I signed up and they had some instructors from Spain and then also Afro-Latin Connection. If you don't know who Afro-Latin Connection is, they were like one of the top Kizoma couples and long lasting Kizoma couples in the Kizoma scene that we have today. And we obviously we didn't have any idea who they were. We're like, yeah, we really like these guys. Like they were our favorite instructors of the weekend overall. Um, but there was also uh, Yvonne and Pablo that were teaching there that weekend, the Kizomba. And that was when I kind of got hooked. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I like the music. I like the freedom to play with the music and things like that. So I kind of took it into stride at that point. Um, after that festival, still didn't have any inkling to teach. 
um, but I definitely wanted to learn more. And so since there wasn't a lot of learning opportunities for Kizomba, uh, after that festival, a lot more Kizomba workshops started popping up around the States. And so I would definitely travel to anything within a four hour radius of Houston. So whether it was in Austin and San Antonio and the Valley or anything like that, boom, I was there for that weekend to keep learning more and more. And there was also an instructor training that was happening. And I remember seeing the ad for the instructor training and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to afford that. I'm just going to keep learning from other way. And then one of my friends asked me if I was going to say, yeah, I'm not going to go. Um, her name is Lola in Houston. I'm not going to go. I can't afford it. She's like, if you really want to go, I need a partner. I'll cover you. You can pay me back later. I was like, okay, let's do it. And so I went and we did the, the Kizoma certification and we just basically did a bunch of event shit that we can't do. And I got the certification thingamajiggy at the end and still didn't have any, inst any intention of teaching Kizoma, but I got approached by Linda Cook of SSQQ. Hey, Linda, if you're listening, I'm giving you a shout out. Um, she offered me my first dance teaching gig at SSQQ to teach Kizomba. And that's how I first got started. So that started in November of 2012. So I first learned the dance in June. I started teaching it in November. And I also remember I was so addicted to Kizomba that Yvonne, the guy that was there at the festival back in June, he invited us out to go and participate in a Kizoma festival in Madrid, Spain. And so I actually took that opportunity to stay in Europe for a full month. Um, I was turning, I don't remember, it was my birthday and I wanted to go in Europe. I didn't have any kids, my car was paid off, all that kind of stuff. It's like, let me go spend a month in Europe and just kind of see the world kind of thing, you know? So we went to that festival in Madrid. It was freaking awesome. Um, I met Mafalda and all, Afro-Latin Connection, Pichu, uh, Lucia, um, a lot of other Kizoma instructors, Albir was there. And Albir was definitely the guy that I resonated with the most. Um, but since I had taken on this teaching thing, I wanted to kind of learn as much as I could in Europe and then bring it back to the States, you know? And I was just making like 20 bucks, 25 bucks an hour teaching at SSQQ, nothing serious. I still had my daytime job, which was in IT back in Houston. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKids.com is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step -step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. Learntokids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. So 
After that, opportunities for me to teach kept popping up. Um, I got more and more acclimated and more and more, more and more in love with teaching dance, even though I never taught it before. Um, so fast forward two years after teaching Kizomba in a lot of different places, festivals and here and there, um, I started getting known more and more for my dancing and teaching Kizomba. And this definitely wasn't my intention because I had my full time job. And on May 14th of 2014, I actually got let go from my job. And it was because of the dancing and not making the company a priority and then wanted to move me up into management. And I guess I was kind of sandbagging a little bit because I didn't want additional responsibility on top of this dance thing that was going on. And they let me go. And it was really interesting that year because that year I started off, um, I actually was going to put Kizomba on the side and just focus on my career because I was dedicating a lot to dance, but I wasn't really making any income. So yes, it was fun. Yes, it was cool to travel and go to these festivals and stuff like that. But to rush back Monday morning to, to clock in and go to work was definitely a struggle. It was like being half pregnant, you know? And at the beginning of 2014, I was actually trying to make a conscious effort of focusing on my career. So, hey, let's do this career, get some solid income in, have some stability in your life and things like that. And lo and behold, that is not what the universe had in mind. And so that happened in May. I had already used up all of my PTO that, that by the time I got let go as well. And I already had a full calendar of teaching gigs for June and July. And I was like, how am I going to get to these teaching gigs and work at the same time? If I don't have any PTO, how am I going to get back on Sunday to get clock in on Monday? All this kind of other stuff, you know, because I was already probably, well, literally looking at it now since they let me go. I was already hanging by a thread, you know. So that happened and I decided to go ahead and just try the dance thing full time, see what happens and not wonder what if um, I got a nice severance package. And so that started off my solo dance career with uh, Neil Kizomba. And the month before in May, I actually had one of my most memorable experiences of being brought out to Vancouver. And I was brought out by Vivian and Nipa in Vancouver. And that weekend was very, very, very impactful for me because we had over 70 people in the workshops and people really, really loved my teaching. People really, really loved my dancing. And I, that gave me the glimmer of hope that, hey, this could be possible to do full time, you know. And I know I mentioned I was trying to focus on my career, but the opportunities for dancing just kept coming up and say, hey, you should come out and teach here. Hey, you should come out and teach here. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Looking back at it now, when I was growing up, I mentioned earlier that I was the oldest of eight. So I didn't have a lot of opportunities to travel and see the world and do kind of extracurricular activities and things like that growing up. So I feel like now I'm catching up for all that lost time from when I was a child. So I travel quite extensively now. I want to say I travel probably uh, 30 to 40 weekends out of the year or, or more. And I have not got tired of it yet. And I'm loving every minute of it. So fast forward to today, it's going on t 
two years and six months of me dancing full time and I'm loving it. I just moved into my own home dance studio. I just turned 32 years old and it's been a really awesome journey. A lot of you um, have followed me from my very beginning of, of starting to teach dance and things like that. And I guess now I'm coming one of the, like the original gangsters of, of Kizoma instructors here in North America, which is kind of a, an awesome feeling. Now, as other instructors start to come out to the scene and things like that, it's awesome to kind of give them some perspective. I'm still learning things as well, but in addition to traveling and teaching dance, I also started dabbling in a little bit of DJing. I'll post one of my mixes in the show notes here so you guys can check that out. I have a Facebook group called Kiss Connection where I post questions and I kind of get people to create some dialogue around dance. Um, I feel there's a lot that goes unsaid that you can't really say in the platform of a workshop because the workshop focus is learning the dance moves. And so you have a limited amount of time how you can go deep. But the platform of the podcast gives me so much more time to kind of explore these ideas that I feel are real, really, really impactful to our dance development. I also run the Neo Kizoma Festival here in Austin, Texas. Next year, it'll be the third edition of that festival. That'll be July 21st to the 24th. Um, if you want to buy your pass, you can use promo code NEOKIZ10. And I'll put a show note in there as well so you guys can check that out. In addition to that, I also, I also am the host of this podcast. And... I recently just opened up a Facebook group where I'm going to be giving away a free 15 minute lesson every single week uh, to kind of help keep Kizomba alive and help spur its growth. And then I'm going to be giving away, well not giving away, but you can sign up for a monthly subscription of 30 bucks and you get a Facebook live class for me every single week. Um, I'll put links to both of those in there as well. And so this has kind of been my journey as a dancepreneur, just kind of expanding my wings and helping what I can do to kind of help Kizomba grow here in the States. And it's definitely been a blessing. It's been a journey and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And so if you have assisted me or coming out to a class or brought me out to a city or anything like that, thank you so much. Um, it's definitely changed my life and I'm glad to be in the position, very grateful to be in the position that I'm in today. And that's my dance story in a nutshell. Um, looking back at it all is definitely kind of a whirlwind. Um, I've been to Sweden. I've been to Paris a couple of times. I've been to London. I've been to Dublin. I've been to Slovakia. I've been to Vienna a couple of times in Europe. I've been to Nova Scotia. I've been to several countries in Mexico and in Canada, just all over the place. And never in my wildest dreams when I first got let go from my job would I have imagined that I've been able to have the impact that I've had thus far. But it's none of that is possible without you guys here in the dancing that have made it all possible with your love and support and criticism and it also helps you grow as well. So I thank you all guys for the opportunity. And I guess if I were to close out the podcast with a motivational message, as I do 
with my other guests. I love the quote that says, uh, dance with your heart. And one thing that I forgot to mention back in August of 2009, I had open heart surgery and they had to replace my aortic heart valve. I want to see if I can get you guys to hear my heart. So that ticking noise is my heart. That taught me the lesson of being in the present moment and that tomorrow is not guaranteed. So I'm definitely glad to be living something that's my passion and kind of lives life to the fullest um, for the time that we're that I'm here on this earth, you know. So, yeah, dancing with your heart, being in the present moment, being happy, um, not being afraid to take risk. Um, There's this one quote that's been on my mind that's really been staying on my mind and it's the dance is what happens in between the steps and that's when you show who you are and you you dance with your heart without fear of judgment or criticism and things like that you know and that's been something i've been able to do and that's why my logo is the way it is with the musical clef inside of a heart that has golden wings on it because uh, dance has definitely helped me overcome depression and definitely helped me overcome uh, getting back on my feet after my heart surgery. So dance is something that I'm definitely grateful for. And on that note, um, I would like to end the podcast. Um, I thank you guys for listening this week and listening in to all the episodes this far. Uh, next week will be episode number 34 and it'll be a year of gratitude for 2016 and looking onwards to 2017. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you have any stories or comments or anything like that, there is a contact form at the end of the podcast. You guys can check it out and share any thoughts or comments or ideas or stories or anything like that. If you want to share with me, I love to hear them. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.